Well, that's the way to live. Live by faith. What a great song. What a beautiful thought. Today we're going to be uh, talking about building a life of faith. And our text is going to be 1 Timothy 6. So if you want to turn there, that would be outstanding. I did want to highlight that on November 6th this year, we are going to be celebrating as a church family 100 years of God's light shining through his church here in Edmond. And uh, what, a, what a wonderful, blessed event. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about it. We're going to have special people coming back. We've got a, uh, we have a full day plan that uh, you'll hear more about as we get closer to it. A hundred years of, of celebrating being a light into this community. Now, there's a couple of reactions we can have to that. One is, man, just wow. Hundred years, that's getting kind of old. Just sit back and relax and bask in the glow of what those who went before us have done. Now, we definitely want to celebrate how they shone their light in this community, but we want to continue to be a light on that path as well. And to help us remember that and just to help us to accomplish it, we're fixing to launch a uh, massive outreach and service initiative within our congregation, call, and we're calling it 100 Points of Light. So during the week of October 16th through 22nd, we're going to launch this 100 Points of Life, and it's a light, and it's an opportunity for us to be a light in three different categories. We're especially thinking about neighboring, those that live right around us, our community, and also prayer and, and encouragement. And what our goal is, is to have 100 people sign up for each one of these categories. Now, some of them are self-initiating. I mean, we'll just maybe give you some suggestions or ideas, but it's up to, to you to follow through with them. But some of them are going to be organized through the church. <laughs> Things like we're going to, uh, for that week, we're going to de deliver all the mobile meals that Edmund uh, Mobile Meals sends out. That, that's a few of us. It'll take, take a little bit of effort for us to do that. We're also going to take um, a special little uh, encouragement notes and packages, care packages to all of our seniors, a lot of our seniors anyway. We're wanting to deliver uh, care packages to all the nurses at OU uh, Edmond Hospital. And we'll be putting those together. And, and, and so those are just a few of the ideas. That's not all of them. But it's going to take a lot of people. I mean, we'll need 100 people at least to do that. And we're hoping to have many more than that in each of these areas. Out in the foyer, as you were coming in on the tables, there's a, a little flyer. It describes it more. We'll have some more time to talk about it. But I hope you'll, you'll pick up one of these, and I hope you'll sign up uh, just to let us know that we're all in this together. We're asking everyone to consider how they can participate, and all of us, every one of us, find at least one of these areas that we can sign up to help in. But I hope you'll maybe sign up for multiple areas as well. The goal is that we can appreciate the light that is shown before us, and we continue to be reflectors of that great light of God's love into this community and into this world so that they could see what is important if you want to build a life of faith. You know, people struggle with what they value, and that's why it's important to ask the question, what do you value, and why do you value it? It's not a new struggle for people today. It's, it's happened all through the ages, even in the Bible times. Ananias and Sapphira valued their reputation. The uh, children of Israel, the ex-slaves out of Egypt, valued the known over the unknown, and so they wished they could go back to Egypt and to slavery. Even Eve in the garden valued being like God. We struggle with our values at times. 
And so it's important to ask the question, what do I value and, and why do I value it? Because sometimes we don't treasure the things God treasures. You've heard it said before, one person's treasure is another person's garbage. Just go to a garage sale or garbage sale and you can find that out. But I, I can especially remember learning this lesson as I left home for the first time. For some people, when they leave home for the first time, it's for a variety of things, maybe to serve our country or maybe to go into a, a workforce. Mine was to go to college. And I remembered when I left home, for some reason, my mom thought it was important for her to clean out my stuff. And she obviously didn't value the things that I valued. Way back in the 1970s, bubblegum collecting cards were really popular. And so I collected an entire set of bubblegum collecting cards collector cards that I really thought was was incredible they were called odd rods they look something like this I cannot see why mom did not value these why she thought that I would want to treasure them I mean today I only I lack two having the entire set today if I had all these collector cards from the 1970s they wouldn't be worth the bubble gum I, I'd chew down them Let's get off that screen. We don't need to be looking at that. That's an Idabel boy and things that he liked way back then. But it is an important question. What do you value and why? And it's an important question to ask. Because if we say we value something and we act a different way, it brings stress into our lives. Or as Paul's going to say, it brings discontent. Let's go to our text, 1 Timothy 6, beginning in verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. God wants us, as we consider our values, to, to find this, this peace and this contentment. Because if we say we value something, but we live a different way, it causes stress in our lives. In the business world, they have a phrase that's, that's called value incongruence. Value incongruence. And it, it means something like this. It, it is when a, a corporation or company has these values. This is what we value. And they go into the world and they hire someone to work in their company. And this person's values, what they highly value, is different than the place which they find themselves working in. And so what they, the, the employee has to do is to try and change their values to match the company's values. And in so doing, it, it causes great stress in the employee and fatigue and, and burnout because they're trying to value something that is not of a high value to them. You've probably witnessed this at some times in other people and maybe in your own experience in the workforce. Value incongruence. You know, that happens in our lives as well as we continue, as we think about what God wants us to value and what we say we value, but then in our actions. And when we, are, we say we value this, but we act in a different way, it brings fatigue and stress and burnout. Let me illustrate it a little bit. Maybe you, like me, say you value family, because I think family is very, very important. So I say I, I value family, and yet I put work first always and everything else second and family third. Let's say that I, 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 I say I value my health. Do I exercise? No. Do I eat right? No. Do I practice good health habits? And yet, 
I say health is important to me. Or, or materialism. I, I would say materialism is bad. But do I save anything? Or do I just spend all I get? And how about God? If I say God is first in my life, but then is he first in my finances? No. Is he first in my schedule? No. That's where you get this values incongruence. The stress of life. I say I value it. I just don't act like it. James would put it this way. He was actually talking about uh, believing and doubting. But his, his advice is very good. James 1.8. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. And wouldn't you agree? So when I learn what's really important in life and I clarify those values and then act according to them, what happens is the stress level goes down and peace of mind comes up. So it's very important that we bring these two in line. The proverb writer gave some great advice in Proverbs 4.23 when he said, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Or that New Century Version says, Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. And there's so much truth to that. We need to guard our hearts. We need to plant our values deep within our hearts and bring our hearts in line with those. Because we have a choice in life. We can uh, think like culture does, and we can just look around us and see what the world values and pursues that. Or we can think like the Creator, the one who made us, and see what He values and then come in line with that. Because what we value directs our actions. And what we decide is important to us is based upon those. When we need to make a decision in life, our fallback is always to rely on what we value. So the world, if you look around you, it's, it says one of the things you should value is, is wealth. Not just true today, it was true when Paul was writing to Timothy. Let's continue in our text in verse 9. Paul wrote, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. I mean, if I look around me in culture, I, what I see is if you want to be successful, you got to make money. You have to accumulate wealth. And so I look at those wealthy people and I oftentimes what I see is not people who are necessarily happy. They've fallen into a temptation and a trap to always want to have more. Very rarely will, your, will culture say, here's what you should pr pursue, run and destruction. And yet when God looks at us, God, the, the God who made this world and everything in it, says that when you pursue wealth as a high value, you're pursuing ruin and destruction. We need to make sure we have our values right so they can determine true success in life. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So pursuing wealth, accumulating wealth, is not how you find success. Pursuing what God made you to do is to find success. But if you do pursue uh, wealth, one of those that run in destruction is the salvation of our own souls. They have wandered, those who have pursued this, eager for money, have wandered from the faith. Wow. What I value impacts my salvation. 
Jesus spoke in Mark 8 and said, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can you give in exchange? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So it's very possible to take culture in this world and say, Here's how you find success. And in finding that success, you find yourself spiritually bankrupt. It's that big of a deal. So what are you giving your life for? Or in other words, what are you giving your soul for? So how do you build this life of faith? And I think one of the things I just point out simply is you've got to pursue what you value. And you need to learn to value the right things, the things the, man who, the God who made you, created you to value, and then pursue them. Back in our text, verse 11. But you, men of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. We've got to decide what we're going to value and then pursue it. Don't let others move you from what you value. These are the things that we want to go for. And it's a, it's a pretty powerful list of things to pursue, isn't it? I know it's, a, it's not Christmas time yet, but those of you who are parents, you remember Christmas lists from your children? Now, maybe you had that perfect little child that came up with two things that were very easy for you to purchase, and you could get everything on your list. God bless you for that. Please stand up so we can all recognize how wonderful parents you are. Or when you had a young child, maybe you got the list of things, and even... Elves could not fill that list, much less a parent. And maybe, just maybe, you like me have had conversations with young children trying to get things off a list. How'd that go for you? Same as in my house? You know, when a child has something on their Christmas list, it's pretty tough to get it off the list. They want it. And they're going to do everything they can to get it in the house. At Christmas because they value it they're pursuing it brothers and sisters in Christ let's figure out what we value and let's not let anybody talk us out of taking it off the list let's pursue righteousness godliness faith love endurance and gentleness I mean it's understandable to want to be successful in life it's just important for us to re realize and remember that success is not a destination. It is a, a journey, just like our Christian life. It's a journey of pursuing these items. And your pursuit today is different than your pursuit was a year ago or years ago. But it's still your pursuit. And we can be successful no matter what our age or stage in life. We're just called to pursue what we value. Paul continues on in verse 12. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. It's important for us to decide what we value, then pursue it, because one of the greatest benefits and one of the greatest helps on the journey from knowing what your values are is perspective. And one of the keys to perspective is to take a bigger look at life. It's not just the immediate. 
It is the future as well. You've heard it said, because I've heard it said many, many times over the years. When you think about these values, you should look ahead five years, 10 years, 20 years. And as a Christian, we're called to even look into eternity. And we can eliminate a lot of trivia in life by simply asking how much this activity is going to count 10, 20 years from now. So a simple question to ask is, what's going to last? Some things might be a lot of fun, but they won't last. Verse 7 of 1 Timothy 6 made it clear. We've already read it, but let's just say it again. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. You've probably heard the old one-liner, you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Well, there's truth to it. We brought nothing in and we'll take nothing out. So when the God who made us, the one who created us, when he sees us, he doesn't see value in us based upon all the things that we've collected over the years and piled up around us. He sees value in who he made us to be and how we've pursued that. When he looks at us, that's the value he sees because everything in this world is going to pass away. 1 John 2, 17, this world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. I remember one of the first times this verse really took root, kind of one of those light comes on moments where a verse really jumps off at you. I was in late high school, early college years, and I would think of this verse every year at Christmas time. Man, I got Christmas on the mind, don't I? When I was trying to buy gifts for Granny Ada, for my granny, my grandmother. And, uh, and at the time, she was ancient, like my age, I don't know. Just much. No, she was older than I am now. But I remember trying to buy her gifts. I mean, if, if children had a long wish list, I mean, how much powder and hand lotion can a, can a woman use in a year, you know? There was very, and, and me, at those years, Man, my list was massive. Electronics, the only electronic device my granny wanted way back in those years, they came out with these remote controls that were huge. You could see the dials. She wanted one of those, that was about it. She was happy, give me a big old remote control that I can, I can function. And I remember trying to buy her gifts and thinking, you know, that's because granny's mind's, you know, she doesn't have much time left. And, and there's some truth to that. But over the years, I found out that was a very minimalistic way of looking at this verse. There's so much more. I think with, with this thought, God is, tries to get our attention all throughout life. Because there are events in life that should cause us to ask, is there more to life than this? And when I reflect on my grandmother, who was a wonderful Christian lady, I think that's why her wish list was so small. Were there things she wanted? Yeah, but they weren't electronics. They weren't things of this world. Her mind was somewhere else. You know, there's a lot of times in life that I hope that we ask this question. There's got to be more to life than this. And it's in the tragic moments. It's in the moments when you lose a job. Or a major illness strikes you or someone you love. Or when you have family struggles. And I think during those moments, God is trying to communicate with us and say, you've been pursuing things that are not as valuable as you think they are. And stop and look at this. And what do you really value? 
And why not pursue that? Because that means we have to turn away from some things. So if you want to build a life of faith, you have to turn away from the unimportant. Back to our text in verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. There's a lot of things in life we need to turn away from. And so we need to look at that wish list of life and maybe check it twice and start eliminating some things and turning away from pursuing them because not everything is of, is of equal value. I don't have time for everything. Neither do you. And God doesn't expect you to do everything. And so turn away from the unimportant thing. Psalm 119 verse 37 says in a beautiful way, Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Someone once said that'd be a great verse to write on a post-it note and put on your TV or maybe at your smart device or computer. There's a lot of things in this life that are worthless and we need to turn away from the unimportant. Paul would say in Romans 12, do not conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, don't let the world decide. Don't conform. Here's what you want for, for Christmas. Here's what you want in life. Instead, let God define that. Be transformed. Don't let the world decide. Most of the world's not happy anyway. What they value and pursue doesn't bring that kind of happiness. Let's put our hope in something more. Philippians 3.8 says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. So don't put your hope in wealth. It's uncertain at best. Paul is saying, put your hope in, in God who richly provides all that we need. So we need to define what's important, turn from the unimportant, and then start building a life that is not just for here, but a life that will last forever. And to do that, we build our lives on things that we value, hopefully. Verses 18 and 19. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Wow. That doesn't just happen. That takes thought, and it takes time. And brothers and sisters in Christ, it's easy to get off base, to get distracted. That's why it's important that we have moments where we refocus and think. I would say it's good to do this every day. If you are an organizer and you plan out your day, think about it. What do I value? And does this to-do list, do these tasks reflect those values that God would have me to do? Is God included and planned into these events? And do these things help lead me towards what will last forever? So on that list, put things that are going to last forever. I don't know what all those things might be for you, but here's three things that I think should be on everybody's list. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. 
Man, they should be on your list somewhere. We need to be thinking about things that count. Paul's given some advice to some early Christians about some things that they were really divided over. And as you get really divided with things of this world, that advice he gave them can still apply to us. It's at the last part of Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, the second half of it. And any time the Apostle Paul says, the only thing that counts, I think I probably ought to listen. And here he says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Now, there's your good life verse. A verse to remember. Build your life on what will last forever. The Proverbs writer put it this way. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. And that's tough to pursue at times. I get it. My entire life, I've gone to church assemblies just like this one. And a common thing that I remember hearing when I was a teenager, they would say this all the time. Say things like this. Man, we need to pray for our teens. Man, they got it so much tougher than when we were teens. Life today is so much harder than we had it. I don't, I don't see how they do it. That's what they, they used to talk about and pray about when I was a teenager. Then I had teenagers, and you know what the church talked about? Man, and your teenage, our teenage kids these days, they got it tough. And they're going through things we never had to go through. They're facing temptations we never faced. I don't know how they do it. You know what we still say about our teens today? Man, you guys, I'm telling you, you got it tough. I don't know how you deal with all the temptations you deal with. Man, what this world is throwing at you so much harder than what I had to face. And we care. You know what those teenagers are going to tell their kids someday? You got it tough. You have it so much harder than we had it when we were teenagers. I have no idea how you're going to face that. But we care. You see the commonality of any of those statements? Life is tough. It ain't getting any easier. And what was true for me as a teen was true for them today and will be true for our teens. I have no idea what my kids and grandkids are going to face. How in the world can I get them ready for temptations I can't even see? But I'm telling you, there is hope. Because I can show them what they should value and how to build a life based on values. And then when they have to face a temptation I never even dreamed they would have to face, they have a foundation from which to walk into that difficult time. That's why building a life of faith matters. That's why it means something to figure out what we value in life and then build our lives on things that will last forever. That's what we pursue. Jesus put it this way. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. All right, I'm about to wrap up. A couple of things. You know what I've been talking about, what we've been talking about, I think what God would tell us is worship. 
One of the definitions of worship I've always remembered is to ascribe worth to something. So when you ascribe worth to something, when you give it worth, you're valuing that, and that you worship it. And so the call today is to figure out what am I valuing? What am I worshiping? And the quality of my life will be directly related to what I worship. God made you. He created you. There is nothing more worthy of your worship or that could bring more fulfillment than worshiping the one who made you. So my question is, do you know God or do you just know about him? There's a difference. For us old timers, there's an old preacher that was famous back when I was just starting in ministry. His name was Landon Saunders. I don't know if you remember him or not. He wrote a book called How to Win Seven Out of Eight Days a Week. And in that, Landon was a great storyteller. And in the book, he tells a story of a little boy, Jimmy, who had a goldfish that died. And Jimmy's going to put to, he's a little five-year-old, he was going to put together a little service, memorial service for his goldfish, and he invited his neighbor to come. She said yes, and she came over, and when she arrived, Jimmy had a little piece of paper, a marker, that he was going to use at the memorial service. And since he couldn't write, he asked her to write on the marker, and she said, sure. What would you like me to write? He said, write his name. It was Mobert. So she wrote it on there. Is there anything else you would like me to write? He thought about it a moment, and he said, sure, write this. He was fun while he lasted. <laughs> oh, boy. And goldfish are notorious for the time of length they last. Fortunately, all goldfish look the same, and many of your children have had a goldfish for years and years and years that looks the same. Yeah, I know how that goes. I played that game. Listen, at the end of our lives... What do we want said about us? He was fun while he lasted. Because I'm here to tell you, in view of eternity, now's not long. Or you could pick something different to have said about you. There was a, a verse that I heard Don Vincent mention many, many times, even at funerals. And we mentioned it at his as well. And to me, this is an epitaph worth living for. It ref it's a reference in Acts 13.36 to King David. And out of the New Century Version, it goes this way. David did God's will in his lifetime, during his lifetime. Then he died. I mean, death is coming. It's just what comes before we fall asleep, before that death. And may it be said of us, we did God's will during his lifetime. But to do that, you have to know what that will is and then value that. We're going to um, sing a song of invitation in just a, a moment. And um, it's a time of reflection. For all of us in the, in the building and all those watching online, maybe during this song you might, might think about, are we following God? Are we letting him lead our lives? Especially when we think about what we value. Maybe you just want to spend time thinking about that and praying about it. For some of us, we just get off track. And as a church family, we would love to pray with you and for you specifically that you might get back on track and pursue what God would have you to pursue. 
we'd love for you to come down. We'd, we'd gather around you. We'd pray for you, not only today, but we'd walk through life with you. This might also be a time that you might want to take advantage of the shepherds and their wives that are going to be making their way to the parlor just in this room hallway right behind me here. And they would love to do the same thing. Just spend a moment or two talking and visit with them. Let them pray with you. And friend, if you've never given your life to Christ, what it means is you agree that the way the world says to live is not the right way. And you're going to turn from it because you've met Jesus. And if you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died for you, won't you give your life to him? In the waters of baptism, submit to him, confess his name. You believe it, just tell the world. Be baptized and start living that life. It won't be perfect. Hey, listen, you'll stumble. Every one of us that are believers could raise our hand and say we stumble all the time, but we're pursuing it. Won't you pursue that as well? We have the time. We'd love to watch you put on Christ right now. I hope you'll reflect on these thoughts as we stand together and sing. I can hear my Savior.